right. We got to talk about that song, Jess Ray Gallows. So this is a song that we probably heard, what, a year ago or something and fell in love with Yeah, easy. She's one of those, her music, you just fall in love with all of it. It's just, there's three, four, five albums, and they're just all so good. That one is pretty awesome because it's true. You know, every attack from the enemy, like, he's going to get repaid for everything that he's done. And that's a good feeling. He's going to be cast first, cast tied up in chains, cast into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. And, you know, when you're going through things and always being attacked, you know, it always reminds you of that moment that the, there will come a day when the justice will come for him. Mm-hmm. All the attack. And, you know, the story of Purim is this wonderful time, too, to, to realize the situation that we're all in. Because we're all in this kind of case. In fact, this next part of the story is going to kind of reveal that because it's not just Haman that gets justice, but his whole family are killed. Mm. And the reason for that, you know, when when we live in our sin and we walk in our sin, we think oh, we're okay. We can just keep going forward. But the fact is justice is coming for us. Mm. And that justice has been coming down for thousands of years. And you think that, you know, you can just live in that sin and you're okay. The reality is that 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 fire was set apart for the devil and his angels. That was his punishment and their punishment. But for those of us who refuse, you know, the devil lost everything, but he has just a couple things left. Number one, he'll make you feel condemned so you don't do anything about it because that's one of the few things he has. He's been condemned. He's uh, he's afraid. He's uh, angry. All of those things that should be the joy, the love, the all those things that, that were of God, all gone. All he has is those things. And so he brings those things. So one of the things, whenever you feel condemned or like you can't run back to God, remember that's his condemnation. Yeah. Because that fire was built for him, or in this case, the gallows was built for him, not for you. Yeah. So this story brings all of that in, in so many ways. That's why the Purim story for Christians is important. We don't want to toss that aside or leave it. Uh, it's It was written for you to draw you near to God, to help you understand what Jesus has accomplished for all men, Jew and Gentile alike. Mm. All right, so now we're going to discover what that song was about. Very cool song. I th- it's the only song I know that was actually written about Purim. So <laughs> let's... Uh, jump into what's kind of the end of this first part of the story. Timing is everything in the kingdom of God. That night, now we're, we're talking about um, this moment where Haman is brought to power and he sees Mordecai constantly uh, coming against him and so he decides to issue this edict that all the Jews of the kingdom will be killed mm-hmm. and so Mordecai and all of the Jews in that region begin to, to wear sackcloth and they get ready to fast and pray. So that particular night... They have the feast. The first night, Esther calls, gets the king, gets Haman together, says, all I want is one more night with, with both of you. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Some say she was trying to make the king jealous of Haman or draw attention to him so he would kill Haman that way or even kill her. She just knew the whole kingdom was in such a such a bad situation. So we really don't know what the realities of all that was. We just know that there's a banquet and now the second night and you're between those two. And that night, two very important things happen. Number one, when he leaves the banquet, Haman sees Mordecai. And as usual, he's not bowing to him. So he goes home to his wife so upset, and she convinced him to prepare a way to immediately kill Mordecai. Meanwhile, the king wasn't able to sleep that night. And while doing some late-night reading, realized that he had never rewarded Mordecai for saving his life. 
Without revealing who was to be honored, the king asked Haman how to honor such a man. And, of course, Haman thinking, oh, he wants to honor me. And what does Haman want? He wants to be like the king even more. He's already this next one in power, but he wants to even wear the robes of the king. So he says, dress that man in the king's royal robes, parade him around town, riding the king's horse, shouting out that he's worthy of great honor. So it's this horrible vision that he gets just longing even just to wear the, the robes of the king. And that is a theme, again, you're going to find in Esther. So we'll tell you about that. So the king took his advice and suddenly says, Haman, take Mordecai the Jew and do that for him. <laughs> and you can imagine, bad day for him. Haman, horribly humiliated by this parade, but especially because of being forced to dress up Mordecai and honor him. So he had to put literally put the king's robes on him. It's another issue that traces back to Haman's heritage from Esau and Mordecai's roots tracing back to Jacob. Again, you might remember the story, but the Targum on Esther 3 reveals that Haman's hate for Mordecai stemmed from Jacob dressing up like Esau to receive the father Isaac's blessing. So even this little role, it's all stirring up all this ancient anger. Haman left the banquet, saw Mordecai once again, still refusing to bow, becomes enraged. His wife suggests a way to kill him, and she suggests this very high pole set up, and then asking the king to have Mordecai impaled on it. Now, most translations still use the word gallows. So, Corey, if I say gallows, what do you think of? I think of, obviously, like being hung with a rope. Right, being hung with a rope. It's in the ancient, in the Old West. You watch any Old Western, string them up with a rope. So that's still the translation used by most Bibles, but for no particular reason. That actually is not even remotely close. Um, it implies that Mordecai is just going to be have a rope around his neck and hanged like he's in the Old West. That method of execution actually wouldn't even be used until the 1700s, so over 2,000 years away. It wasn't even invented yet. So the real the real issue of this is actually a little a little more exciting if you have a hatred for Haman yet. Impalement was the common method of execution all across Mesopotamia in the time of Abraham. It was in Egypt in the time of Moses. The Assyrians, the Medes, the Persians all impaled thousands of prisoners. There's actually drawings that show this quite clearly. Much like crucifixion, prisoners were impaled in such a way that they were kept alive suffering for many hours or even days. It was a horrible death. So for Haman, this is the perfect timing. There was no gallows built by Haman, even though the song, and I love the song, it was actually a, uh, a large 50-foot tree trunk sharpened on one end. You know, building that with the thought of Mordecai being impaled on that eased all of his anger. But that night, the second feast begins. Things get a whole lot worse for Haman. Esther reveals to the king that she was Jewish and that Haman was going to annihilate her along with her people. The king was so overwhelmed, he had to step out of the room to even speak. Haman quickly falls onto the couch where Esther's sitting to beg for mercy. The king returns, and he see, now sees Haman right next to the queen, his queen, that he's worried about being murdered, and suddenly the one who's going to do it is now all over her. You can imagine, where there was rage, <laughs> there was twice as much rage. The king is at his boiling point. 
Now, the tradition is when the king is done with you, he has your face covered. You just put a bag over your head, basically, and that's what happened. So he was so far past it, Haman had no future. So here's what it says. Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs attending the king, said, A pole reaching to the height of 50 cubits stands by Haman's house. He had it set up for Mordecai, who spoke up to help the king. And the king said, Impale him on it. So they impaled Haman on the pole he'd set up for Mordecai. Then the king's fury subsided, it said. It was a horrible way to die. So Haman definitely got his punishment, and he was executed on the day of Passover, interestingly mm. enough, which is 30 days away from now. That same day, the king gave Esther Haman's estate and appointed Mordecai as the new prime minister. Since the law of the Medes and Persians cannot be rescinded, Haman's decree couldn't be revoked. Even the king couldn't pull it back. So King Ahasuerus issues a second decree, granting the Jews the right to defend themselves against their enemies to destroy, kill, and annihilate the armed men of any nationality who might attack them. But the interesting part is, you're early in the year. It's only three months in the year. So they had to wait nine more months to be attacked and to attack back. So you can imagine going through all this time. It's a difficult time. Now, look what happens in the life of these, because you think she's placed him to become the queen of this man who could be so horrible. And yet... What happens? Esther 8 says, And Mordecai left the king's presence wearing a royal garment of blue and white, a large golden crown, and a shawl of fine linen and purple wool. The city of Shushan celebrated and rejoiced. For the Jews, there was light and happiness, joy and prestige. And in every province and city to which the king's edict and law reach, there's happiness and joy for the Jews. A celebration and a holiday. Many of the Gentiles converted to Judaism for fear of of the Jews had fallen upon them. Now, nine months goes by. When the 13th of Adar arrives, the Jews mobilized in every city and won a great victory, killing 75,000 of their enemies. On the 14th of Adar, which is today, they rested and celebrated in the capital city of Shushan. They took one more day to finish the job, including impaling Haman's 10 sons. As I mentioned, you know, when you do evil, it goes down to generations. And they wiped out his whole family, which was the command of God way back when with the uh, Amalekites. They were supposed to kill them all and never did. So it just goes to show in this particular case, uh, Mordecai and Esther did exactly what God had commanded. And it was a good thing. The interesting thing here is uh, Mordecai orders the Jews across the entire kingdom to set aside the 13th and 14th of Adar every year to make them days of feasting, rejoicing, sending food portions to one another, and giving gifts to the poor. And he called the days Purim. How they celebrate is actually very interesting. When Esther asked Mordecai to go and gather all the Jews of the city to fast and pray with her for three days before she approached the king, that one act was very significant in the way Purim is still celebrated. Unity would be the antidote to Haman's individual plans. He had schemed his way with the leaders of all the providence. They, in turn, had gathered together to fast and pray. It's the reason there are specific traditions on Purim. You actually send presents to one another and gifts to the poor. Purim is intentionally a holiday you can't celebrate alone. It's forbidden in that sense. By the end of the story, Mordecai's words to Esther, yet who knows whether you've come to the kingdom for such time as this, become even more profound. 
Two of the most powerful people in the empire, the queen and the prime minister, were Jews who followed the God of the Bible. And don't forget, one of the other guys you read about so often in Scripture who's also there, he doesn't ever get mentioned in the story, but Daniel, one of the greatest prophets of all time, was still serving as the head of the Magi, or wise men, who wielded great power and whose followers would one day travel to witness the birth of Jesus. So there's this kingdom, the greatest kingdom in the world, and God had placed them in great power. Esther eventually becomes the mother of Darius II, who would carry her Jewish bloodline and later help rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. What's amazing about this story is when we go through difficult times, challenging times, fearful times, we can't imagine what could happen, how something good could come of it. But the story of Perb, the story of Esther and Mordecai, is that story to trust that in the midst of all these things, God has a plan. It's bigger than your plan. Who would have ever imagined how it all turned out? Who would imagine in one day they'd try to annihilate the entire Jewish population of the world, and yet in the end, they would be raised to great power? It's a beautiful story. Still a long way to go. Coming up, we're, uh, we got the 8 o'clock hour beginning, and we've got a prayer time, some more music, a prayer time, and then we're going to launch those two brand new songs that are releasing today.